Hello, are we on the air yet? Welcome to the Core Performance Podcast, taking you one step closer to self-mastery on and off the course. Fire up that growth mindset, and let's dive into the core of elite golf and human performance. Now, here's your hosts, Ian Highfield and Andrew Losey. Hello podcast world and welcome to today's show uh, where we are going to be talking to a European Tour winning golfer. Uh, This is a phenomenal conversation uh, that I had with Daniel Gavins uh, and I think the real key messages that come from this is what does it take to be a tour pro? So as a junior golf coach, I spend a lot of my time with junior golfers, collegiate golfers, sometimes mini tour players, and we talk about what do you want to achieve. And often the answer I get is, I want to play on on tour. I want to win a major. Uh, I want to play elite level golf. And I think when we look at this and we see players like Ricky Fowler, we see players like Jordan Spieth, we see players like Justin Thomas, we're kind of brought into a false world, they're actually the anomaly. Um, Going to college, playing well in college, and then getting a tour card and almost avoiding Q school and then being net jets and five-star hotels and awesome travel and press conferences and fun with your friends and weeks off and Ryder Cups. That's That's the outlier. The real journey of a tour pro is highlighted uh, by someone like Dan. So check out this conversation. uh, And if you are a young junior golfer that wants to play at the highest level, please know it might not be as straightforward as you think. And Dan's story uh, is an awesome insight into that. Uh, Also, if you're a parent, and you have a child that wants to play golf at a higher level, maybe listening to this can help you hold them accountable for certain behaviors and certain psychological characteristics that they're going to have to develop if they want to take strides towards their goals and their dreams. So that's enough from me. There's a ton of value uh, inside this podcast and inside the wide, the wise words of European Tour winning golfer, Daniel Gavins. Daniel Gavins, European Tour winner. How are you? Good man, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm better than you. What? Explain what you're doing right now. Well, I'm in a hotel at Heathrow for uh, 10 days quarantining. Nice. So how, how, did, that, how did that come about? How did, how did you find yourself in this, uh, in this hotel room? Well, I thought I'd play the first two events in South Africa. Um, ended up playing two rounds of golf and then flying home and quarantining of a new variant coming out. Yeah, so you're you're on the golf course. Mm-hmm. You, you make the cut. Mm-hmm. You know no. that it's there was a rain delay or weather delay. I mean, people were flying home before the second round. Um, so I got to the course on the like the start of my second round 
looking at all these people with joining, you know, getting out of there. And I'm thinking, like, what, what's going on? And then obviously someone told me. And then they're like, just get yourself out of there. And I was like, well, there's, I looked at flights and there's like none, there's none left. So I was like, I might as well play the second round and then see what's going on after the second round. So I played it, made the cut. And then obviously tried, just tried to get out there, really. So I didn't know like how bad it was going to get. Did you did you make the cut because you played well or did you make the cut because everyone was withdrawing flying home? <laughs> I mean, I did well to make the cut. So the only thing that was on my mind was like, what's happening with Aaron Blacks? Like, am I going to get stuck here for Christmas or? Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't even think of that. So, you, and you did get stuck there, right? I saw on your your Instagram you were at the airport. How many days were you at the airport? Um, we didn't actually. To be fair, we were staying next to the airport, so we're only like ten minutes away. But um, every flight just started getting cancelled. Um, so I've, I think I booked in probably about six to eight flights, and they all got cancelled. And then um, there was one that appeared from uh, Joburg to Kenya, and then Kenya to Heathrow. And uh, quite a lot of players were on that flight as well. So we ended up getting out, like, um, was it on the Sunday? It was like Monday morning, I think. Okay. So pretty normal for what your schedule would have been if the tournament ran accordingly. Mm. And now you're quarantining what day are you on in in quarantine in the uh in the mental home uh, <laughs> i think it's day seven yeah it's day seven it does is it taking a toll on your mind is it tough like um, it, i've done it before when i had covid you know i flew back from dubai okay when I was actually positive <laughs> and then i uh, stayed in a hotel in Leeds. I was, I was pretty bad for the first, like, five, so that went kind of quick. I was just sleeping the first five, so I felt a bit wrong. But, yeah, this is going pretty slow, to be fair. Yeah, not long now, though. And then what's the plan once you get out? What's what's going to happen? New, new European tour season started, going into your first full season as a, as a winner, which we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. What's the plan for next year? Um, I've not sleep sat down and looked at the schedule in full, really. There's like, um, there's 46 cents or so next year, so I need to kind of pick and choose wisely. Um, so that's obviously something I'm going to do when I get out. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time I've been able to kind of plan this season. Yeah, so that's a, that's a, that's a nice thing that, that, you, that, that it would lead into. So why don't you talk a little bit about your previous experiences on the European tour. Obviously, I, I know them from us working together, me caddying for you, um, and the experiences that you're having now, being able to pick and choose events. So ju just talk a bit about your European tour journey um, and, and the difference in sort of how the schedule is. Because I, I obviously, I'm the director at the Core Golf Academy and, I speak with kids, I speak with parents, and they have dreams and aspirations. The children have dreams and aspirations of playing on the tour. And the first thing I tell them is, hey, it's, it's not all net jets and G-wagons driving you around. Oh, is that your food? Four minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go grab it. 
So Dan just had to jump up to get his quarantine food that was delivered to the to the door. But I, yeah, I think I was asking a question, Dan. The the kids at the academy they often say they want to play on tour, but what they're doing is they're basing that on the experiences of Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, uh, Tiger Woods, whoever. And and you know you you go to these events, you fly on a plane, and you play golf and you win money, and it's awesome. And then you practice a bit, but you know, your, your journey is probably more of a true reflection of what it would take to, to play on the European tour. So can you talk around that a, a little bit and, and how different it is now since you, since you managed to win? Yeah, I mean, I was first on tour in like 2016. Um, I finished like, I think I finished like seventh at tour score. But I owned, that year I only got like 15 starts on tour. So it was like all the small prize fund events. I mean, to keep you hard from doing that is a bit tough, you know. And it's played really well all in every event. Um, I mean, in that sense, it was almost impossible for me first year to be like, keep my card. Yeah. I won. Um, so anyway, I went back to like challenge, played challenge, got back on it in 19, tried again. But again, it was like, you know, it's last minute flying and getting on the flight on Tuesday, not having to practice ground. Um, Teeing off like last or first hour and stuff like that. It's difficult, you know, it's, um, it takes a lot of getting used to. So, um, yeah, so in, in 16, you didn't even like flying, did you? Nah. So <laughs> You got you've got a job where literally you spend most of your time flying around the world and and you didn't even like flying. So you actually enjoy it now though, right? It's turbulent. I just fall asleep, which is quite nice. <laughs> How did you overcome that though? How did you overcome that that fear of I mean, I don't was it fear or was it you just didn't enjoy it? It's too long, it's uncomfortable. Like what was it? I think it's a bit of everything, really. But I saw this. I saw this woman about it, and kind of like sent me off like this. Gun. So ever since then, I've just kind of enjoyed it. I don't know. It's a bit weird, really. So like it was hypnosis in effect, right? You in 2016, you you sounds like you had some hypnosis to help you get around and and fly around and be able to do your job. I mean, I thought. What do you think about it? Because you're obviously more clued up on it than me. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like hypnosis. So like you've got some subconscious patterns in your brain. There's something in there that every time you think of flying, you'll probably see a negative picture or you have a negative emotion or a negative feeling. And then she's probably just changed those underlying pictures or those underlying beliefs or or feelings. Being flipped into so say that again, Dan, because the reception was a little bad. So do you believe in the actual that She's been able to flip me into seeing a positive flying. I, I think maybe if you see it as a as a chalkboard um, or a whiteboard, you over your life have written on that chalkboard or that whiteboard your your pattern of thinking. And then what she's done is through her skills, and it sounds like she's done an amazing job, she's cleaned that chalkboard. And she's allowed you to now build a, a new pattern yourself. There's, there's no way she did it for you. You've built up this positive image of flying. 
<clears throat> excuse me, and, and installed it into your subconscious. But she she cleaned the slate to to allow you to do that. Um, sorry, say that again, Dan, because it, it cut out. I've got to like want to change myself. Yeah, absolutely. She you you could have you could have just as easily, once she's cleaned the slate, you could have just as easily reinstalled that old pattern of thinking that you didn't like flying and you didn't want to be on the airplane. But you've obviously done a good job being like, man, if I'm going to be a tour winner, I have to get on this plane. Um, and, and, and I think this is an excellent story because, again, I don't think young kids that, or e even mini tour players, to be honest, that, or college players, understand what you went through to play on tour. Like, it, it, even this story shows there's so much more going on than just a golf swing or, or getting a golf ball into a hole. Cause you, you, you work with me on the golf course. You work with this lady off the golf course. You were working with Mark Pearson, uh, golf wise. You had a, um, you had a fitness coach. I can remember that you're working hard at all these things. And I mean, you lose your card, right? You got on the tour and, and straight away you lost your card. So how do you respond to that? How do you deal with that disappointment, putting all this effort in, and then the card just, you know, you get it and it's gone just as, as quick. Just got to, I don't know, man, I've, I've just kind of got on with it and focused on the next season. Like trying to get, trying to find a little bit more every year or trying to find positive and finding more consistency and, my swing every year, just that little bit of a stepping stone up and gradually it'll kind of feed into better golf and that's when the results will start to be kind of going on. And, and then, so then you get back on in 2019. Mm -hmm. Now you enjoy flying. Um, you had a sweet sponsorship with those guys in Dubai. I remember that you were going out there all the time. Did, you did a lot of this. You don't have an agent, right? You did a lot of this stuff yourself, didn't you? You found your own sponsors and, and grinded hard in that area to raise money. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? About what the funding stuff yourself? Yeah, like, how do, like again, because kids tell me they want to play on tour. Like, how many emails are you sending? How many meetings are you having? Your dad's connecting you with his friends and then their friends are connecting you with their friends. How, how does all that work? Uh... I mean, you just gotta get you just gotta get out there yourself. And like, I was sending emails like left, right, and center to people. And obviously, I knew a friend of mine from a golf course in, in the UK that put me in contact with the marketing woman in Dubai. <clears throat> and um, we got I got talking to her in Dubai when I was over there. Um, and then I started playing with like clients at the hotel. You know. Um, a few of the guys that were quite high up in the hotel and they obviously led into playing with other hotel people and people that are higher up than him and um, COOs and then that, that's how it, that's how that's one. Um, so you've just got to I think a good thing is to play with people that might be interested. Play golf with them. Let them see you play. Um, you know, you can... You, there's a lot of time to talk on a golf course. Yeah. I, I don't think 
I don't think players do enough of that from mm-hmm. what I've seen. I've worked with a ton of mini tour collegiate level players and I, and I, I'll explain your story. I use Chris Hansen as an example of how to do this as well. I always thought he did a good job, but then I work with players that, that don't do this. And then immediately they just say, oh, I've got no money. I can't play, but you're always as well as practicing working on your mindset to get on flights, going in the gym, working on your on-course mindset with me. Now, if you add this to it, you're playing golf with people and you're networking behind the scenes to, to try and raise money. And I, I don't think that uh, people even see that as a, as a part of the journey to the European tour. But how much does it cost to play a year? I don't even know if I want to know this. What is it? What's a full season all-in expenditure? Well, if you play like 25 events, yeah. 50 grand. So when you get your European tour card, you're in for 50 grand straight away. But get this right. So this year I started on, started on Challenge Tour this year. Yeah. But trying to get uh, top 20 on Challenge Tour to get back on tour. Yeah. I must have had, I must have had enough for the first three or four events in my account. I had like, <laughs> there's like nothing. In there, I was like, I'm gonna play the first three and then see how it goes. And yeah, that was that was that was the start of this year. So now we're talking about stress and pressure, right? So let, let me just run through it again because I, I really want people to understand this. Get your card in 2016, have a fear of flying, have to overcome that, start um traveling around the world, lose your card straight away, drop down a tour get back on the tour in 2019. Um, you improved, right? Your performance was better. You made more money. It was better, but lost your card again. And at the start of this year, 2021, you had enough money in your account for three or four events on the, on the, on the challenge tour. Mm-hmm. Like, I, honestly, I never say this when we worked in sessions or, or I feel like you're crazy. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you just give up? Why wouldn't you just give up? And, and I think that's one thing that we've always talked about, right? You've always said you're never going to give up. So how did it feel going into those three? You only had enough money for three or four events. How did, how did that feel? Did that put more pressure on you? Did you perform better because you had that pressure? Like, what, what was that like? What, and, and what were the results? Um, so I missed the first cut. First event, I missed the cut there. Good start. <laughs> The second event, I finished around maybe 10th, 11th on challenge. So that got me a few grand. And then the week after was quite a big event. And I finished like 11th or 12th on that one. So that got me, you know, another five, six grand. Then that was enough to play the next four or five events. And I, I was playing pretty consistently after the first event. I think I made the next 10 cuts or something. Yeah, I so saw when I'm looking at your results in the rankings, you were... You were just outside or just inside top 20 most of the time? Probably around the 20th mark all, all season, really, all for the first half. Which is the number you need to get your European tour card, correct? Yeah, top 20, yeah. Top 20. So you're not only earning money, every, every event is kind of like top 15, top 10, top 12, top 10. You're earning money to keep your season going. You're also hovering right on the spot of I need to be in this ranking to get my European tour card. Was, was that fun <laughs> or was it stressful? Or did you... I mean, I was, I was with a few mates. I was with my mate, Dean, who had 
you know, we were traveling together. So that was, that was fun. Um, yeah, I was, I was enjoying it. I was like, you know, I was picking up quite a nice check every week, challenge tour. Um, so I was consistently playing well, which was nice. How, how big does traveling with a friend be? Because in 2016, I think at times you kind of felt like you're out there on your own, right? On the European tour and you're a, you're a rookie and it's new and you, you don't quite know the ins and outs. What a big difference does it make traveling with someone like Dean or even the caddies that you have now that you're, you're more friends with, right? Like how, how big a difference does that make for you? Makes it easy, you know, if, um, if something goes like wrong, like you miss flights or you kind of, flights get cancelled or whatever you've got somebody you know in the same boat that you can just go and get a hotel or food or something and figure it out together you know what I mean you're not just on your own all the time yeah okay because in 2016 were you using local caddies you were turning up to events and having a different caddy every time yeah (laughs) (laughs) say that again Dan wouldn't recommend that No, no, yeah, that, yeah, we used to talk a little bit about how difficult that was, but it's, but again, it's, it's a just something that I think young kids that say they want to play on tour, like they, I hope uh, academy students who want to play on tour and people who are trying to play on tour, they listen to this because this is the true picture, right? Like it's so complicated, it's so hard. So your top twenty, and and, and this is probably the bit you want to talk about the most right or the bit I want to talk about because I, I just I remember where I was like watching it and I was freaking so excited my wife was like what are you doing I have to run home from the beach and try and get off uh off what is it off 5g to try and get wi-fi to catch up so you're around about 20th on the challenge you're you're enjoying it you, there's a bit more stability you've got enough money to kind of see you through the next few events. So you're in, you're playing well, you're playing consistently, as you put it, you're in a good headspace. And then what happened? Well, I was due a week off on, there was a week off on challenge tour. There wasn't an event on challenge tour. So I was going to have the week off and not play at all. Cause there was, um, there was like a stretch coming up where, you know, I needed to play well. There was like another six or seven on the spin. Um, but also there was an event in Ireland on the main tour that I was thinking, oh, that I might as well go and play that. I'm playing well. Uh, there's a week off in Challenge Tour, so it's not going to affect my rankings on Challenge Tour. So I thought, shall I go and play it or shall I not? And I, I was so close to like join and just having the week off, like I was like, really close. I wasn't really a fan of Galgon. Of course, I just didn't I never really... You love Lynx golf, though. You love Lynx golf. Not Lynx. Mm-hmm. And it was over two courses this year. Um, so, yeah, I went, ended up going uh, with Liam, those uh, golf mates, and um, we got there on, like... We, get there on, we got there on Tuesday. And uh, we said, we'll just... Treat this as like a fun week. Let's have a bit of fun. So we scheduled down a practice round for the course that I've never played before. But the we we got called off because of the London Lightning. There's a storm, so I didn't play that course. Didn't play the other course. So I didn't have any practice round. <laughs> uh, we walked the course that I hadn't played. 
managed to walk it. And then started on started on Thursday. Um, I think I was like, I shot one over on the first day on the course that I've never played before. So I was lying like 60, 70 players. And then I had a good day, good day two, got like four or five under. Good day three, shot another four or five under. And then day four, I was, um, I was like seven behind going into the final round. So there's not, there's like no pressure on me whatsoever. I just, just like just go as low as you want. Oh, that's that's what I wanted to do. So I shot five under. Um, it, it was strange. Everyone was just dropping down. Clubhouse um, leader, right? So I'm 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 watching you. Your so I knew you played really well on the third day because and and look, five under was not five under right on that course. Like it look it looking at the other scores, it read more like an eight under. That was kind of. That was the difficulty level of the golf course, right? So I see you shoot five on day two. I see you shoot five on, on day three, I think. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty much like two seven-unders back-to-back. Like, that's phenomenal golf. And then um, I keep watching the score. I'm sat on the beach, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I'm like, oh, my goodness, Dan is going to win enough money. And I said to my wife, oh, Dan's going to win enough money to sort out the rest of his season and he'll get into next week. And then like 20 minutes later, I'm, I go on, I'm on, I think Instagram and they're like, Gavin's is this Gavin's is that. And I'm like, I'm going home. I run from the beach home. I get in and I'm, I can't get my um, mother-in-law's TV to like get the golf on. So I'm watching it on my freaking iPhone uh, on YouTube TV. And Talk to me a little bit about, because we've spoken since, you got nervous a little, you, you felt it on 18, right? You felt that something could happen. So just, you know, talk us through. You're just trying to have fun. You haven't prepared for this. You were going to withdraw. Your, your caddy is a super funny guy. So shout out to golf mates on YouTube or whatever, and they can see see who your caddy was at the time. But now you stood on 18 and you're probably eyeing a six-figure check, right? So just talk to us about what it was like going down 18. I mean, on the 17th green, I missed like a maybe a 15-foot putt. It just kind of creeped to the left. And then I kind of looked to the leaderboard and I was like um, maybe two or three shots back still. So there wasn't a massive amount of pressure on 18. But I thought it was the wind quite, you know, it was quite into the wind, 18. And it's the tightest tee shot on the course, really. It's tough hole. So I just hit I just played as a three shot really, like I did all week. Uh, so I hit four iron off the tee, and then four iron and position and a wedge. The flag was like in the middle of the water, or it looked like from the fairway. So there's yeah. no way, no way getting close to that flag really from you know 120 yards straight into the wind. So I've literally just bailed it right. Yeah, what do you 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 had 120 into the wind? Water front left, because I told all my junior golfers the next day, I said, I want you to watch this shot. I want you to see where the guy who won hit his wedge. Because, my, you know, my kids will tell me, oh, it's a wedge. I'm just going to go at the flag. <laughs> That's not always the case, right? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> especially not then. So, sorry, Dan, C- carry on. Yeah, I was on the 18th green. 
And I looked at the leaderboard and like there was three of us on the same score at the top. I was like, I've just gone from two or three behind to, you know, join leader. So that kind of put a bit of pressure on the two foot put from not two or well, from like 40, 50 feet. Um, then I left it like I left it like three foot short and then obviously banged the three footer in the center and then got out got out of there as quickly as I could. How did you feel on that three footer? Uh I mean the greens were class, so I was like, you know, I was stroking it in the highest. So I just I just saw nothing but hole in it. Awesome. And then you go to the range to warm up. We had, we had quite a long wait. We sat in the clubhouse for like probably an hour. Oh, you did? And then obviously when they were down at maybe 17, 18, we kind of went to hit some balls just to warm back up a little bit. But unnecessary winner. Everyone else kept going backwards. So it, it was funny because people really tried to attack that 18th then to catch you or to win. And it, and it didn't work out. So I think one thing that really comes from this is you just stuck to the strategy that was best for you. Even though you were leading, you didn't go crazy and try and win that tournament. You just stuck to that strategy that, that you felt comfortable with. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't think you could reach the green anyway with the wind so like hard in. So, so it's, like, it's like, like almost pointless to drive it. So. so it never entered your head to break strategy and it never entered your head you were going to miss that that three-footer. Savage. <laughs> so let's let's build on this. Um, we, we'll, we'll hopefully talk for another five or ten minutes and then I'll, I'll let you eat your food because I know we've been, you've been waiting for that for a while while stuck in, stuck in quarantine through coming back from South Africa. So look, your, your journey is, is, has been amazing. I, I feel like so excited that I was part of it, but I want what what I know of you. There's one quality that you have that outshines pretty much any any golfer or athlete I've ever worked with. It and, and you talk about it a lot. So I want you to give some advice to the to the junior golfers, especially the ones that that come to the Core Golf Academy where where I'm director. Um, and then I think we'll finish with the one thing that you said that you you will you you would never ever do like the one thing you've always said and, and what we talked about after you won so just yeah give, give some advice to, to junior golfers out there that that want to win on tour one day what 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 do they need to do go on go and listen to you <laughs> <laughs> besides that besides that's a nice plug I'll, I'll i'll give you the kickback for that one when we finish but, but besides i mean and, and look it doesn't have to be me right definitely I think when, when we first worked together in 2010, nine, when Pearson told you, when Pearson told you, hey, you should work with Ian, I don't think you wanted to work with me. We were getting up to the gym at like five or six in the morning, but then. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. But remember the first session? Remember when we first ever met? I don't really think you necessarily wanted to work with a, a mental performance coach, right? maybe not yeah i think it's important yeah yeah and it is and then and then we became friends and, and like you just said there was a time when me and you would go to the gym together i would play golf against you i, I don't even know when we played golf for that period over christmas together i don't even know if i ever won one hole do you remember we used to play little nine hole matches you used to beat me five and four every time 
Um, so, okay, there's there's one bit of good advice. Work on your mental game, whether it's with me or, or another sports psychologist, but you definitely have to condition your mind to be more... The thing I helped you with was be more process-focused, right? I can always remember the first kind of session where you were thinking... I had like three or four swing thoughts and like you only need, that's the only one, one really, one max. Yeah. Just another. And it, yeah. And it's not even about the swing. It's about placing your mind in somewhere that gets you away from the stress of trying to win or the fear of, of missing the shot. So swing thoughts can do that. But we, we worked a lot as well on, I remember when you won on the Euro Pro and we were talking about the target focus and you were... That's the that we had. I was like, you were like, right, all you're going to think about this this shot is, is that door. Yeah, oh, like, yeah, yeah. But I, I can still think about, I can still see it like clear as day, the door at Owen. Yeah. And, I, and I, re, I also remember after you won on the Euro Pro, you were saying, man, I was visualizing shots and I hit this wedge because you shot 29 to win. Remember on the, on the back? Well, of course you remember you did it. Um, but I do remember clear as anything. You told me you visualized the wedge pitching on the green and spinning diagonally back. Yeah, I put some cut spin on the side. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's, <clears throat> that's just on a whole other level. Right. So, you stopped thinking about outcomes. You got less into the mechanics and you got more focused on like the external flight of the golf ball and the, and the feel of the shot. Um, and, I, and I think that, that that really helped you flow. So that's one thing that, that a junior golfer can definitely benefit from uh, modeling from you. What, what else would you say? Um, I think a lot of things... I'd probably, you know, if you've got a swing coach or whatever, like, I think you want to stick to, like, the, the one, one guy that you want to kind of stick to and trust. Yeah. Like, a lot of, like, um, there's a lot of people talking and, you know, you can easily get distracted with five, six, seven different things, like, will tell you. Um, it needs to be kind of, find that, one coach that you're going with and stick with it. You know, don't start taking advice from like everyone. Still, they'll just end up. I'll yeah. end up giving thoughts in, in the end of it. Yeah, I think I think that's good. And then let's say one more thing. And come on, man, this is this is this is it, right? This this piece of advice. I'm trying to lead you there. This this encapsulates your journey. What what would be the last thing that if you have a goal or a dream? What should you never, ever do? You should never give up, should you? There you go. There you go, what we've always said. So, like, to, 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 know, what, to know what you've been through, to know what um, the, 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 the journey, the complexities of it, how demanding it is, to then, I mean, even the debates we've had, right, like, it, when we've worked together or, or when we've worked in a team, we've not necessarily always uh, uh, agreed on things, right? You've always listened and, and implemented a majority of what, what I've said. <clears throat> and, we, and we've got on great, but we've not necessarily, it's not always smooth sailing. So to know everything you went through, the, the work that we did, the work you've done with other coaches, how it's been, you know, I, I, I built a small relationship with your mum and dad over time. 
Um, and I know your dad was very um, supportive through this, this journey and probably wouldn't let you give up to some extent, but to, to know what your goal and dream was and then to see you, to have to run home from the beach and to see you get to lift the trophy, it, it's, it's just unbelievable. Um, so any junior golfer out there, never, ever, ever give up. But also that's, that's um, not even just in golf, right? That's your education, your life goals, uh, anything that, that you want to be. Um, anything else to add, Dan? Or is it time for you to, to go and eat your quarantine food? My quarantine food's probably uh, ice cold now. <laughs> A little cold, man. And no one's going to allow you out of there to, to warm it up. So appreciate the sacrifice. Uh, best of luck for the... Uh, 2022 season where, where can anyone if anyone listens and they want to follow your results you got you got instagram right and anything else you want to shout out yeah my the social media i used to follow the most is instagram yeah. it's just my name uh, daniel gavins um at daniel gavins all the events are like on the dp world website as well there's like i think there's 40 odd events now. oh yeah it's not the european tour anymore is it change names which makes sense because about seven events are in Europe and most of the rest are in China and Dubai. So, <laughs> and, um, I might come over for in California if I don't get in the open. I might try and oh yeah, play that one. What about the U.S. Open? That's down the street from Core Golf. So, no, dead simple: get in the top fifty of the world, mm. qualify for the U.S. Open, get an invite. Come and stay at my house and you can come and train with the with the core kids. All right. So we'll we'll see you at Brookline in summer. All right, sounds good. All right, mate. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Dan. Uh, have it. a good Christmas. I'll see you when I'm back. I'll see you uh, sometime in December when I'm when I'm back in the UK. All right, mate. Thank right. you. Thanks for tuning in to the Core Performance Podcast. Your one-stop shop for getting to the core of all things golf and human performance. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Ian and Andrew, check us out on Instagram at Core Academy. We'll see you next time.